listening to Law and Gospel on this Open Mic Friday, January the 24th, in the year of our Lord, 2020. What does that mean? It means that I, Tom Baker, am more than willing to take theological questions. I cannot promise I'll answer them because I don't have omniscience in regard to the Bible, but I'll do the best I can. And if I can't answer a question today, I can do some research and start Monday's broadcast with it. The numbers to phone, if you're in St. Louis, you just simply phone 821-0850. And anywhere in North America, 1-800-730-2727. And we'll be more than happy to take your call. So, just phone in. All right, it looks like we've got somebody on the line already. Hello, Jim, you're on the air. Uh, Good morning, Pastor Baker. Good to talk to you. I have a question regarding patience. And we know that patience is a virtue, and uh, we know it's also one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. But my question is, when does patience become procrastination, and how do we prevent this? And if you don't mind, I've got a rough connection here, and I'm going to hang up and listen. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jim. Okay. What is patience in contrast to procrastination? That, that's a, a problem I have. I will have a task to do, and I rarely get it done before the deadline. I always am able to get it done before the deadline, but for some reason it's hard for me to do something ahead of time uh, when I don't have to. In fact, I I carry around a 3x5 card now with everything I have to do. There's uh, seven things I have to do today. And for sure, I kind of figure out when I'm going to be able to do which item with the least amount of work necessary uh, so that sometimes I know I may be watching television and there are some things I can do during that time. Uh, for example, I always make out the sheets for the pericopes and I take a look at them to decide what sermon I'm going to be preaching on. Patience, I don't really see it as really connected to procrastination because when I procrastinate, it's not because I'm patient over something. It's just that I'm not willing to start something until I actually have to do it. And then when I do begin to do it, I spend most of the time in that in order to make the deadline. So patience is something that when I think of it, it's really in regard to events that I am not in control of, hoping that they would come to pass. Like somebody will tell me, I'm going to send you an email on this, and it's not coming. And so I'm patient waiting for it to come, because there's really nothing else you can do. I don't procrastinate on that item because I don't have it yet. So I'm not sure how to reply to the email. So I would say that patience really has to do 
with items that we have no control over. Procrastination has to do with items we do have control over, and we just aren't ready to start them until the deadline approaches. I'm not sure that's that good an answer, but that's where I would be at at this point. Okay, we're going to go on to the uh, next person who's given a call. And let me see. This is, is this Kip Copeland? Hello? Oh, I'm sorry. Hi, you're on the air. Is this Gilbert? Hello? Yes, you're on the air. If your sins are forgiven, why are they brought back up on Judgment Day? If uh, your sins are forgiven. If your sins are forgiven, why are they they brought back up on Judgment Day? Okay, what's the Bible verse you're thinking about where they're brought back up? Not sure. Yeah, I don't think there is a Bible verse where your sins are brought back. I'll hang up and listen. Okay, thank you so much. Yes, I I don't believe there's a Bible verse where your sins are brought back up. You know, we just don't know on that day of judgment. We know that God, it says very clearly in the Bible... He's going to judge us on the basis of whether we have been good or bad. But that good or bad doesn't really involve us and our works as it involves whether we have been declared righteous by God through faith in Jesus Christ or not. If you believe in Jesus Christ, your sins are not going to be brought back up on Judgment Day The only ones that they'll be brought back up to, it appears to me, are those who are not going to heaven. And God is giving them a reason why they're not going to heaven, because they have not been receiving the gift of the forgiveness of sins, which was available to them, but they rejected it. So it's very important to realize that the day of judgment isn't a day when God is going to decide on the basis of, of your personal works, whether you're going to go to heaven or hell. No, he's going to decide on the basis of your faith in Jesus Christ or your lack of faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, To me, me, that's a big difference. And, And the difference means we don't need to be afraid of that day of judgment. So what we're dealing with here is a situation where... A lot of people are afraid of judgment that sins are going to be brought back up, but they aren't from my point of view in the sense of look at what a sinner you are because for the Christian, those will not be brought back up because they've been taken away by Jesus Christ. Remember the words of John the Baptist? Behold the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of of the world. Okay, I think we're ready to go to the next person. Is this uh, Sandy? Are you on the line? Yes, sir, I am. How can I help you? 
Uh, yes, I'd like to refer to uh, a topic of discussion uh, earlier this week or maybe last week. Anyway, vegetarianism. Yes. Remember when you were talking about that? Mm-hmm. And uh, just a little observation about vegetarianism. Uh, to me, it's optional. I don't see any necessary uh, virtue in a person choosing choosing that, uh, you know, for their lifestyle. Not a problem. I'm a meat eater. And I like vegetables also. However, my observation comes down to this. Uh, why do we have canine teeth? Why were those created by God? Or if people who do not take a creation view evolved canine teeth in the human mouth, if not to rip meat from bones? <laughs> oh. And. Yes, and that, that's my observation and just a question to those who think we should only have a, a diet of plants. Probably there are people with uh, uh, maybe health issues that really should be, have a purely plant-based diet, but from a creation standpoint, and even if you think it evolved, that's what canine teeth are for. That was my comment, Pastor. Well, let me ask you this question before you hang up. I I believe they're um, cows. They have canine teeth. Yes. But they only eat vegetables. Uh, They were designed that way. Right, right. I have no problem with that. I'm just saying that because someone has canine teeth doesn't mean that they are there for the purpose of eating meat. Uh, I think in a very anthropological sense... They probably do for human beings. Uh, you know, we are unique, and it's survival. And, uh, you know, in the most primitive sense, as we were created. Sure. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so you know, it could, it could go either way. It could go either way. And uh, a person, it's a personal choice, again, health-wise or even preference-wise. But those are designed there to be able to do that. Okay, uh, let me talk about that. Then thanks Thank so much for Thank calling. You. I appreciate it. Um, this is really about the conversation we had about the distinction between someone who says they are vegan or vegan versus vegetarian. Vegetarian just simply, a lot of times for health reasons, will stay away from eating meat and just eat vegetables. And there's nothing in the Bible that says that that's the way we should do it. Remember, we've got that vision of Peter on a roof. And not only does meat show up on the blanket, but it's unclean meat. And God says, eat. And Peter says, I've never eaten unclean meat. And God says, what I've declared to be clean, do not consider to be unclean. Now, of course, that's in the context of Peter now going to a Gentile centurion, and he's coming to the recognition that that is also who is part of the kingdom of God, also Gentiles. A vegan is different. Vegans are people who really think it's wrong that the way animals are treated as they are butchered, etc., And I've read quite a bit about them, about uh, why they think that. I once went, uh, because the the factory wasn't far from me, to a place where they slaughtered pigs. And 
what they did, they gave a shot to the pig's hypodermic needle that kind of put them asleep so that when they were butchered uh, and initially their throat was cut, etc., they had no feeling of that. Now, I don't know if that would help a vegan see that that wasn't really cruelty to animals. You finally got to come down on the basis of the scripture as to whether or not meat is a viable option for anyone to eat. And the Bible never opposes the eating of meat. It did for a while on the unclean food, but no longer. And so... To say that it's immoral to eat meat, I don't think you can find from the Bible. Now, a lot of people think that anything from an animal, like taking the milk from a cow instead of allowing it to feed its calf, this sort of thing, that that's immoral. Uh, I just don't see that because throughout the Bible, people were drinking milk, they were eating meat, And God never has a commandment against that. So if you want to be a vegan because you feel that animals are being really severely and cruelly butchered, then I don't have a problem with that. That's something we call it adiaphora. And uh, Sandy made a good point. She says it's optional. Now, she was talking about vegetarianism, but I would also include that as vegan. You follow what you believe and if it's not something that the bible is for or against then we as pastors must permit that Uh, that's why many of our schools now for health reasons uh, are very careful in handing out certain food like peanuts some children are allergic to them and you really do need to know where your people are. Our missionaries, when they go overseas, they're eating food that they're not used to. But in eating that food, they get used to it because God permits all food to be eaten. Now, there's food I'd really have a trouble eating, like insects or snakes or things like that, that are consumed in other countries. So as Christians, we need kind of to be tolerant of those who have views of vegetarianism or veganism. And I'm not going to say that they're sinning when they do that. Now, if they start accusing me of sinning because I'm not doing what they say, then we might have a problem. Okay, we're ready to go to the next person here. I just have to do one thing with my microphone, and that's to talk with Kurt. You're on the air. Hi, Pastor Baker. Hi. Um, I got uh, two big main questions. Um, One is uh, knowledge of when, uh, let's say, Jesus, it's Judgment Day, and he deems that uh, you're not going to heaven, you're going to hell. Now, you take a person that's uh, maybe Buddhist or a diehard Muslim who hates Christians, and let's say God says, okay, uh, you didn't believe me, you're going to hell. All right, now if Tom Baker dies and God says you're going to heaven, well, when you go to heaven, you know everything. You know why you're there, 
and uh, you know you know everything about God, so it's all understandable. But what about someone who knows absolutely nothing about God, or else totally disbelieves? Let's say like a, a little baby in Somalia that's starving with flies going out of his mouth. That baby doesn't know anything. But let's just say, for argument's sake, God says, okay, that baby's not a Christian, they're going to hell. When they get there, I, I, my thought is, is, even like a Muslim, are they going to understand why they're there or what God is all about? I mean, there's, the devil's not going to hang around and tell them, explain to them. You know, so I just, I just wanted these people who, who hate God and refuse Christianity they think they're going to go get all these virgins, and when they get there, are they going to find out what the truth is? Well, is one question I have. They're certainly going to find out what the truth is about hell. The trouble is, in answering the question, I have to have a Bible verse, and we do have Bible verses where people are going to suffer eternally in hell, etc., and they're going to be aware of that, but... As to the other part of the question, I'm not really sure to how to answer it because I can't think of a Bible verse to, to back me up there. Heaven and hell are two realms of reality that God is quite familiar with, and we will not be totally familiar with it until we experience it. I, I can't even imagine being in heaven. For example, here's a question I have. In total bliss... If you're aware of a, a friend, a relative who did not get to heaven, how can you be in total bliss? I don't know. But right. you're going to be in total bliss. That's a promise from God. So we're going to have the mind of God in that instance. And people who are in hell are going to have the mind of Satan. They're not going to even want to be in heaven, even when they are in hell because they just do not appreciate Jesus Christ and what he had done for them. How that comes about is difficult. It's clear from the Bible that's what the stance is going to be, but how I can imagine it is beyond me at this time because I have never had an experience of heaven. Yeah. Um, I'll real quick here. Now, I have another one. Sure. We, we are sinners. We're born into sin, so... As human beings born in the sin, we are not holy and we are not righteous. Is that correct? Um, yes, we're conceived and born in sin. But when we become righteous is really a decision by God. Remember, John the baptizer became righteous even before he was born. And... You know, people think that we believe that a child only can be saved if it's baptized. Uh, in the Old Testament, the little boys were circumcised. But what happened to the little girls in order to bring him into the kingdom of heaven? We are not told. There, there's yeah. no answer to that. So I hesitate to say that every child born is not going to be righteous in God's sight because I don't know uh, how God's going to deal with that. We know how he did deal with it in the Old Testament with girls. They're part of the kingdom of God, but he doesn't explain how that happens. And then remember Jesus picked some children up uh, in his arms and he said, blessed are these, these are part of the kingdom of God. How many times does he do that? Uh, that we may be unaware of. So 
What, what's your specific question? Uh, the reason I was asking that is because uh, I was wondering um, if a Christian dies and goes to heaven, if this thing God says, okay, you're deemed to go to heaven, is that, I know God is holy and righteous, but when believers die and he, he brings you to heaven, do we become holy and righteous then? Yes. Or is that only, or something only owned by God? No, no, uh, we will not have, and this is another hard thing to understand, we won't even have evil thoughts. Like, if I get to heaven, and I'm thinking about this, you know, there are degrees of glory, and let's say my wife has a higher degree of glory than I have. I'm not going to be jealous of that? <laughs> I can't imagine that. Yeah. Um, but I can understand how she would when I look at my life and her life. But in heaven, it won't matter. Uh, there's no giving and taking in marriage. We have totally different relationships. And God says that we're going to be in bliss regardless of our degree of glory. So here on earth, I might be jealous of it, but it will not be happening in heaven like that because I'm going to be holy and righteous to the point where not only is none of the consequences of sin there, sickness, death, etc., but also I'm going to be pure in my works, in my thoughts, and in my actions. So I guess 49ers and Chiefs fans will get along up there. Oh, yeah, I, I tell you, I have a friend who works for Purina, and I tell him they should have this uh, advertisement Two dogs, and uh, both of them have little costumes on. Uh, the one has Ohio State, and the other one has Michigan. And they're growling at each other. And then all of a sudden, somebody puts down a bowl of Purina, and they both rush to it and eat it together contently. <laughs> all right. Thanks for calling. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay, bye. <laughs> All righty, let's try and get one more in. And is this Sue? Yes, hi. Hi. How are you? I'm doing good. How can I help you? Good. Thank you for taking my call and squeezing it in. Real quick, I associate eating meat with the fall of man. Because when God created Adam and Eve, they ate plants. And then after the fall and Noah's Ark, then he ordered meat, okay, uh, to be eaten. So I... My thought is that in a perfect world, we won't eat meat where there will have to be death to kill animals. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I've often thought about that where when I get to heaven, I hope there's white castles there, but <coughs> they won't be made out of animals that have died because there's no death in heaven. Exactly. And, and Peter Krauski has a wonderful book about will there be animals in heaven, even your pets, and the point he makes is God restores uh, heaven to the point that creation was like before the fall of man into sin. Love that. That's and perfect. I know it is. Thank you so much for calling. Thank you, and God bless. You have a wonderful, a wonderful weekend. You too. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Um, it looks like we might get one more in. Uh, hi, is this... Uh, I'm Pastor Baker. You're on the air. Who's this? Hi, this is Steve. Oh, Steve. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, um, 
I was just curious, uh, the story in the Bible about the uh, the rich man's in hell, and he's trying to talk to, trying to get people to uh, share with his relatives because it's so yes. bad down there. That right. doesn't seem to jibe with what you just said about they won't even know and they won't want to go to heaven in the first place. I just wonder how you could connect the two. Yes, very good point. We do not get doctrine from parables unless there are other passages that back it up. So it's really important to understand that parables, and that's the parable of Dives and the rich man, uh, who was a rich man, and then uh, Lazarus. And so remember, Dives isn't talking to Lazarus. He's talking to Abraham. And so they can also see each other. But there's other passages that even say Abraham is unaware of what is going on on earth. And so I'm very hesitant to use a parable uh, to make uh, a point like you were making there because I can't find a verse to back that up. Okay? Okay. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much for calling, Steve. And we really want to thank... Those who uh, phoned today, uh, Sandy and Kurt and Sue and Steve and two others, great questions. And that's what we're here for on Open Mic Friday, to attempt to answer your questions and to give you an insight into God's precious word. On Monday, and we're going to be here this Monday, or at least we're going to have a program because it's not a holiday like ML King was last Monday. So we're going to be looking at a passage for the following Sunday in preparation for your study or if you're a pastor for a sermon. I'm Tom Baker. I pray you have a Law Gospel sermon this Sunday. God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.